You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. This is part of a podcast I do called The Agony Column. You can find, uh, I think we're up to 1358 with today's Tad Williams podcast at agonycolumn.com. And so I cover everything. My I, my I split genres into good books and bad books. And I like the former, not the latter. So we have three fine examples of the former here this evening. With us, we have Roz Caveney, who's contributed to the science fiction encyclopedia of science fiction and fantasy with John Clute. Thank you, Roz. And we have (laughs) (laughs) Melinda Lowe, whose latest novel is Adaptation, and Cindy Pond, who's going to be reading from Fury of the Phoenix. Thank you for joining me, ladies. We're going to start with uh, readings from all of you, and I'm going to ask you to lean forward into the microphone so we can get a good recording and a good uh, podcast so the people here can come back and listen to this when they're stuck in this, driving through the lovely traffic of Northern California. Uh, Roz, are you ready to start? Yes, indeed. All right. Well, let's get cracking. Okay. I'll start with the epigraph to Rituals. If there were gods... How could I bear not to be a god? Therefore, there are no gods. Nietzsche. Girls just want to have fun. Lorper. (laughs) Wickedest. Sicily, 1926. I followed him through the streets of the awakening town. His footfalls echoed along the white-walled roads. My sandals did not even whisper. As he passed, small swarthy men who had just left their unlit homes turned their gaze away from his eyes or made sudden jabbing horns. Mostly he ignored them, but every so often he would pause and stare at them until they were compelled to meet his gaze, then toss his great head in a sardonic laugh and stride on. Most of them looked at me as if they could not let themselves see a small dark girl with few clothes and many weapons. Puritanism and propriety more often allow me to pass as if unseen than they lead to the throwing of stones. He took good care to cross the street rather than walk alongside the basilica. Perhaps he wished to see the last glimmer of moonshine flash from its gilt He strode briskly. I had no trouble keeping up with him, yet was aware that he moved fast for a man of his age and habits. A point to be noted. I knew where he was going. My floppy-haired informant had been quite specific, and I had observed for days from shadow. At worst, this was not an urgent case. High above the town on the headland that gave it its name, He would stand looking west, not welcoming the dawn, but saying farewell to the night. His back turned firmly to the east. He was in any case blocked from it by a ridge that even he would have had 
have been hard pressed to climb. Rather than be there before him, I prepared to watch him from my own shadows. He might, after all, be just a fraud and a waste of my interest. I hoped, on the whole, that he was. He would, at most, be just a small threat, just a small meal from my sword or spear. I found myself liking this Crowley, nevertheless. He had insolence and courage and a degree of self-centred charm. He quickened his step as a cock crew somewhere out the way he had come down from the villa in the hills, and as the breeze of daybreak blew insult from the sea, and I paced gently behind him, and then he turned and spoke. You are not afraid of me. I fear few men. I fear no men, and few women. I stood still, my arms by my side, not yet confronting him or making any threat save that implied by my presence and stillness. He stalked towards me, looking down his beak-like nose. He really was imposing, I thought, and very little of the bulk was other than muscle. I let him get, it, get close, so close that he was towering over me, full of confidence and threat. I caught just a faint smell of cognac and ether on his breath. And then my spear was pricking his left nostril so fast I did not even think of it. Even then, where most men would at least have stumbled or stammered for a second, he stepped back with assurance. You are formidable. Then again, as a Frenchman would, formidable. That, I shrugged, is merely a matter of my work. He looked at me closely. Now, this should be easy. The tan skin, and the hair caught up in a twirl of knives in the back, and the slight scar on your left cheek, and the spear and quiver of other weapons slung at your back. Archaic work, some of them, but with the shine of use, as much as the patina of age. I could see his mind riffling through knowledge. Some men's memories are like libraries where they wanders, but his was a set of files. Ah. He sounded almost impressed. I'm not used to meeting powers I have not summoned myself. And I'd thought that the Huntress was merely a myth. Clearly not. Self-evidently, I was real and there. And to what do I owe? You know the task I have set myself, I looked at him sternly. I'm here to dissuade you from courses of action you might be considering. Consider it a fair warning. My dear young woman, Crowley began, but I would not let him finish. Young? Oh, he smiled. Ages old and external, of course, and yet, as you will admit, young nonetheless, a court fragment of the world's springtime. Flatterer. <laughs> Crowley looked down at me quizzically. He was taking all this with surprising calm, even from Magus. Perhaps my informant had been wrong. And this course of action would be the sort of thing of which I take a dim view. Ah, he said, you need have no such fears. While mass murder is not a pastime to which I have any special ethical objection, you understand, nonetheless, I am the wickedest man in the world. And that is not a title I propose to give up in order to become some sort of third-rate deity. 
The gods I have met have all been horrible, vulgar people with whom I would not care to spend eternity. That's leaving aside the god of my parents, that terrible old bully and bore. Ah, I said, but he has a fine physique, especially when he was young. You'd have liked him then in the days before the beard. <laughs> Crowley looked unconvinced. Well, I gave the, wor the words an air of finality. That's all right then. He gave me that look again. Have you actually lived for thousands of years and retained that much capacity for trust? <laughs> Up to this moment, I was not even sure rituals of blood actually worked. No, I spoke with emphasis because clearly this man did not yet understand with whom he was dealing. I have lived for thousands of years and in that time, no one has broken their word to me managed to regret it for very long. <laughs> Put all thoughts of the rituals from your mind and you will live until you die in the course of mortality. There are worse ways to go. Really? He spoke less with sarcasm than as a man genuinely curious. Indeed, the dark god of the Slavs begged for his quietus like a blind man with a bowl howling for arms and I walked away from him into shadow. Gosh, he was quiet a moment and then smiled as if at an old friend. I feel like a drink. They don't like serving me in that bar over there and they spit in my van Santa when they think I can't see. But I always find the hatred of one's inferiors adds spice to life. Do you drink coffee? or something stronger. Crowley turned towards the bar at the corner of the street, the one with the green, white and red awnings, and the tables that had stayed out all night and had the dew still on them. I followed, catching up with him on the third stride. You've no idea, I told him, how much I missed coffee in the centuries before it existed. <laughs> you feel a need and a lack, like one of those calluses on your thumb from archery, just a little throb and one day someone has a bright idea. And that lack goes just at the moment when you finally knew its name. We sat in silence as the light of morning came up round us and Crowley snuffled at the flower scents on the air. Grimly, a waiter brought us two espressos and Crowley favoured him with one of those smiles. Suddenly, he looked at me confidentially. It was Willie Yates, wasn't it? I favoured him with one of those questioning looks he had down so pat, and he added, that laid the information against me. You know I can't tell you that sort of thing. I kept my face as clear of tells as millennia had taught me. I have to protect my sources. Thank you, Roz. That was just superb. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.